Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 342, Psychology of the Exceptional Child. I hope you listen and enjoy. We've been talking about what autism spectrum disorder is. Uh, we're now going to look at indicators of what you're looking for to see if a child might have um, a, a disorder in this area. All right, the earlier indicators, remember, these are children under three. Um, so we're looking for things like by age one, you have not seen any types of communication, verbally or non-verbally. So a one-year-old is usually saying words. But if they aren't babbling at all, babbling is your consonant vowel sounds like ba, 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 or ga, 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 um, something like that. And if they're not doing that, and usually that starts about six months, it may be a little bit later with some children, that doesn't necessarily mean there's a problem. But by age one, they should be doing at least that much. Um, or at least they should be making up for it if they can't do it by gesturing, pointing, waving, those kinds of things. If you don't see that, it's a bad sign. All right, again, we're talking about speech and verbal communication. So most children are saying single words uh, by at least age 16 months. Usually that's closer to a year. Um, this is words like puppy or mama or dada or kitty or bottle or something like that with a ball you know just a word that they can say it's a, it's a considered a, a phrase or a whole phrase it's an, it could be a sentence um, by age two they should be speaking and at least two word phrases like mommy juice or go car and that is kind of the lowest level that's acceptable by age two so if they're not doing that those are those are not good signs um, another one is that they would look like they were deaf when you called their name. Um, so you call them and they have no response at all. They don't turn their head. They don't, you know, kind of look, their face doesn't change. It's really as if they're deaf, but we know that they're not deaf. Um, if they had any kind of language, um, it may fade out because what we see sometimes are children who are born with this type of spectrum disorder and they evidence this from the time they're born. Others seem very typical until they're about 18 months of age and then suddenly it's as if this all dies out and um, usually we think they're predisposed to this and you know something kind of triggered it um, at this point. So they were speaking but they stopped. Um, they were interacting socially. Now, I mean, obviously a, a two-year-old isn't going to have major social skills, but they might play pat-a-cake with you and smile at you when you smile at them. Um, so they've had a little bit of social interaction with you, and those things will begin to fade out. I, they don't want to look you in the eye. Um, that is something that, that's really typical of people with autism spectrum disorder, that it's very hard for them to look right at you. And they often have kind of a blank look in their eyes if you don't know where they're focusing their attention. Um, they begin to line things up. Now, it's not a problem if children categorize things. If they put like um, all their white blocks in a pile and all their red blocks in another pile, we don't panic with that. But when they play with things by just lining them up instead of actually playing with them appropriately, that's a potential sign. Now, um, that doesn't, you know, by itself, actually none of these by themselves, which would be an indicator of autism spectrum disorder. You're looking for clusters of these types of behaviors. 
Um, they don't smile. They don't respond to you in any kind of social way, um, you know, with the interaction. Any of those are good early signs. Now, there are some later indicators as well. This would be a little bit older child. All right, this would be someone who probably already had autism spectrum disorder because that member is in place by three. Um, this could be older than three. Um, they really seem to really struggle to make friends. They oftentimes just sort of wander around among their peers and don't seem to notice that there are other children there. Um, they don't do well with the conversation. Certainly have trouble starting one, going up to someone and saying something. Um, but if someone speaks to them, it's hard for them to sustain it. it they, they don't, you know, they'll answer as quickly as they can, like a yes, no answer, like let's get this done and move on. So they don't try to keep a conversation going. Um, this is a really big one because most children in their three to five range really do a lot of social play. Um, where they are doing um, dress-up kind of play. Um, they also do a lot of imaginative, creative kind of play, like I am sitting in this box, and it is a rocket, and I'm going to the moon, and I'm going to explore while I'm there. All right, these children really don't do that type of play at all. Um, they're just very much like kind of line their objects up in the way that they play or spin the wheels. All right, the type of language that they have is very stereotypical. There's just a few words that they may say. They may actually just repeat what you say, and that's called echolalia, where they'll just, you say, let's go in the car, and they'll go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Um, so you can see it can be very repetitive, the same phrase over and over and over again. They may just know one or two phrases, um, and it may be kind of unusual or bizarre. Um, usually that you're going to see, um, their patterns of interest are going to be really restricted. They're, there's just one or two little things that they're very interested in. Um, that's it. The, they don't want to know about anything else. Um, it's considered abnormal because they are so focused on it. This is, you know, only thing I want to do, I want to do it all of the time, and it's extremely intense. Now, a typical child may have something like that, but they're usually also interested in other things as well. It's not just one thing that they care about. Um, when it comes to objects, they typically would have like a really preoccupation with, um, a lot of times these are round things. For some reason, they really like round things that spin. Um, so they'll take, again, the wheels on a car and spin those objects around. Um, and they, they just have this kind of preoccupation. They just want to hold it all the time and, and have it with them all the time. Um, they get very, very caught up in their routine. And if you break the routine, you know, you don't eat breakfast at the time that you normally eat breakfast. You don't, uh, if they're in school, you don't have math at the day they have math. You get very, very upset, and they really may have, like, a meltdown where they're just, you know, screaming and rocking. Um, you, you, you know, like, have one of those things at school where you, you have um, a special day, and there's a speaker that comes, and you're all going to go listen to that speaker. That's going to really upset um, a child who has um, spectrum disorder. All right, so... When we look at the characteristics, you're going to see that there's a lot of variety here. Um, each child will have symptoms um, that exist, but they may not be the same symptoms as the child next to them who may have a similar diagnosis. Severity can be very varied as well. So if it's really mild, um, it may be that they blend in very, very well um, with the typical child, and you just think they're just a little bit strange. 
Um, if you have somebody with a very, very severe case, it's going to be something that's quite obvious and they're going to um, have their ability to function well with others be quite impaired. All right, so remember one of the big categories under the DSM-5 was social communication impairments. Um, they're going to struggle there with reciprocity. Um, this is you have a turn and now I have a turn and they don't understand that at all. Um, they don't really want to connect emotionally with other individuals in that way and they don't see really the point of that. Um, they don't pick up, again, as we mentioned, the nonverbal communication skills that they would need um, to make up for the communication verbally, uh, those deficits. Um, so this makes it really, really hard for them to keep relationships going. Um, usually they'll have one or two people, like maybe a family member that they are um, relatively close to. Um, they have at least some connection there, but it may not be all that deep and they may not miss that person when they um, leave. When we look at the repetitive restrictive behaviors and interests, um, speech is one of those repetitive behaviors and that echolalia is, is really saying what you say now. This is not mimicking. Right, when you have like a brother and sister and you mimic them, you just say everything they say just to irritate them. This is like one little small phrase that they pick up and they say it over and over and over and over again. Um, they're, they're just, it's very repetitious in what they're saying. Um, remember those really um, inflexible routines, they are not adjustable with this. They've got the way they do it. They want it done that way every time so if you know they watch a particular show in the afternoon like they might like jeopardy and they watch it at four in the afternoon and they go on a vacation and didn't own it four in the afternoon there they really might um you know get really upset um some of these meltdowns include head banging they stand against the wall and, and, and bang their head against the wall and obviously we'd have to you know make sure they didn't hurt their head maybe put a helmet on them um perseveration is is continuing at a task long after it's appropriate and so they might be erasing on a, a piece of paper and they erase it and erase it and erase it and eventually they've made a hole in the page and that would be perseveration. They have different sensory fixations, something that they may like to listen to over and over and over and over again or something that they like to look at. They may have a, a book that they just stare at over and over and over again. Um, so those are quite common. Um, in terms of language development, um, they have issues here with communication. They don't really understand the give and take of communication. So when they want something or they want to say something, um, they may very much just interrupt um, because they don't even realize that somebody else is talking, so they just say what they want to say. Um, and, you know, if it's a conversation, they don't really know uh, what they're supposed to do. Again, they have the issues that they like to talk about, and they're going to pull the attention back to that. If you move to a new topic, then that's going to upset them, and they're going to pull it back to, well, now I want to talk about this. Um, and again, they are communicating, but it wouldn't be in the way you might want. Um, so the topics that they would like to choose are usually very few. Um, and then I really don't want to interact with you too often. And so it's just a couple of interactions that they will have where they've kind of talked about what they want to say. Maybe if they think you can contribute something that they're interested in, they'll be interested in what you have to say. Um, 
one of the real common things with their language is getting some problems. They have a lot of trouble with I and me as well. Um, but note they also do some reversing of pronouns where instead of saying that, you know, I want to have a snack, they say you want to have a snack, but they really don't mean the teacher wants a snack. They mean that they do. Um, again, we mentioned echolalia as a, as a type of language issue. It's also a repetitive issue, so it, it actually goes in both because it, it's a problem for both of those things. Um, figurative language is, is going to abstract language. very hard for them to understand. They're extremely literal. Um, so you definitely want to be very, very careful uh, in what you say because they will not understand a lot of our, our idioms in our language, like pulling your leg. They, they think you're literally going to pull their leg. And so um, you have to be very cautious about kind of how you speak to them. All right, possible problem behaviors uh, occur. This is not true for all individuals with autism, but some will have this. SIB is self-injurious behavior, and this is when um, a person begins to hurt themselves. Uh, we see this with some individuals on the autism spectrum, um, and we see it with others who might have some of the you know, behavior problems that exist. Um, it, it comes in um, that the head banging against a wall that I mentioned, that would be a type of SIB. Um, they would just stand there and hit their head. Um, some will um, bite, um, you know, maybe right above their thumb, that fleshy part on your, your palm, and they'll start biting right there until, you know, they've worn their skin away till the bone shows. Um, you're going to see pulling out eyebrows, you know, sometimes there's, you know, other things like that, but um, they're damaging themselves and you have to make sure that they're protected from that. Pica is eating things that we normally would consider to be inedible. Um, so uh, dirt, uh, possibly a plant, you know, like a fern, um, they might eat, um, pick up a pencil and eat that. Um, toilet paper, sofa cushion, just, you know, something that really has no nutrition in it. And we don't really know why they would do that, but there's a craving that they would have um, to eat those things. All right, studies will show us um, that the more we have communication, the less of this behavior we see. So if we don't have good communication needs, they're not able to communicate well, you're going to see a lot more of this SIB. Um, it's almost like they're frustrated over the fact that they can't communicate and they take it out on themselves. Um, occasionally, you're going to see aggression where someone might attack um, other individuals or hit them or hurt them in some way, but it's oftentimes more directed at self. Um, again, we think that's linked to communication. They are really wanting you to know something and they just don't know how to get it across and so they get mad um, because you're not understanding what it is that they have to say. Other characteristics are going to involve the senses um, and also some movement disorders. Um, as I mentioned, we think that these children find sensory stimuli to just be overwhelming. It's just, it's almost painful. Um, and so some are actually going to overreact. Um, they're going to cover their ears up, um, scream to try to block out sounds. A lot of rocking may be involved with that. Um, but others, it's like they don't hear anything. And that would be an underreaction. Um, many are going to scream when they get touched. It's almost as if the touch hurts them. Um, sometimes we'll wrap them 
um, from head to toe, like with ACE bandages to kind of put a, an even pressure on their skin and they typically kind of can calm down um, at that point. All right, when it comes to movement, um, there is now a kind of a new philosophy that there are some movement disorders going on. Um, and the child will have uh, almost like they don't feel the floor and they don't really know where it is. And so this causes them um, to have a lot of trouble getting started, maybe moving, walking, and then note stopping. Um, and then if they have to switch movement to, to execute a switch or to, you know, turn or anything like that, um, that may be very, very difficult for them. They look very awkward um, a lot of times when they move. Now, some don't. Um, but note the gait may be um, awkward. They may have a really hard time, you know, if they're trying to get on a playground equipment, that may be very uncomfortable for them. Uh, muscle tone can be over, um, over tense or, you know, too loose. Um, we, again, have those repetitive movements, that's spinning, that's... Um, Things like the king tut movement that you that you might see. There's tiptoe walking um, that goes on here, and some of the kids will actually have some facial tics where you know their face is literally twitching um, as as a type of movement disorder. There usually are some differences in intellectual functioning here because obviously the child is not comprehending a lot, and so they may actually look as if they have intellectual dif. Uh, disabilities um, and about 72% of them test that way um, or at least are borderline in terms of intellectual disabilities um, we don't know if that again is just an innate um, ID or if that is something that they've just really had trouble with communication and, and haven't picked up a lot of the things that a, a typical child would do Oh, and the savant syndrome. Um, this is not every child with autism spectric dis disorder, but you probably heard of this. The savant is um, a real special gift. Oftentimes this is in math. It might be in music. And these children are pretty amazing uh, when it comes to this. Um, one child that I worked with with the savant syndrome, you could give him any date in history. You could say July 4th, 1776, and he would tell you what day of the week it was. I, that was on, I don't actually know what it was, but let's just say it was Wednesday. He would know, and you could look it up, and he would be right. Um, it's like a computer. He could just knock these dates out, and he was amazing in that. You know, he was just, like, so gifted, and yet everything else, um, he really looked like he had intellectual disabilities, and he was really struggling. But so these savants, when they do occur, and again, they're not every child with autism, um, it's some really amazing gift, and it usually does tie to kind of math and music, which is very mathematical. Um, something a calculator could do. It's not really what we would call deep thinking. It's just sort of crunching um, like a calculator would. 